Welcome to this week's Digest edition of the Evening Times from Friday the 4th to Thursday the 10th of May 2018. Read by volunteers at Kuhn Review Prince Beacon to the Blind at our studios in the Bishop Briggs Media Centre. Coming up in part one. Glasgow public given chance to grill Nicola Sturgeon. More than 60% of Glasgow singletons fear they will stay solo. Running and Netflix combine at David Lloyd Sports Clubs. Cocaine users in Glasgow say ordering drug is quicker than pizza. Calls for selfish parents to stop illegally parking at Knightswood Primary School. Sisters of Nazareth Glasgow nun left meat farm to be raped. The honey farm promises to deliver sassy spits at Because You Are a Girl. Tributes to Glasgow worker who died on cycling trip. Pensioner struck by car in Glasgow city centre in critical condition. Frightened Rabbit lead singer Scott Hutchison reported missing. Glasgow and Campus Lang pubs hit with £10,000 fines for illegally showing Sky Sports. Brother of missing Frightened Rabbit singer Scott Hutchison makes emotional appeal. Scott Rail boss admits faster Glasgow to Edinburgh service won't be complete until 2019. Ian Blink McDonald's fury after gun bust while he's on a date in Glasgow. Finiston in line for Glasgow's first cycling village. Pug party among 11 things to do in Glasgow this weekend. Prime Minister's praise for SWOTY winner highlighting invisible disabilities. Former Pollock Shields Monastery set to make way for flats. The Evening Times. On Friday, the 4th of May 2018. News section. Glasgow public given chance to grill Nicola Sturgeon. This article by senior reporter Caroline Wilson. People in Glasgow will be given the chance to grill the First Minister about issues affecting the city at a public event. Nicola Sturgeon and her cabinet will meet in the Clyde Gateway regeneration area on Monday, May the 21st. A public discussion led by the First Minister at the Emirates Arena will conclude a day of events, marking 10 years of investment in the city's East End. Ms Sturgeon said, This is a chance to air your views and raise key issues that matter to you. The event is the latest in a series of more than 40 Cabinet meetings that have taken place in towns and cities across Scotland, including Cooper, Dumfries, Aberdeen, Alloa, Inverness, Ullapool, Oban and Greenock. The First Minister said, This is an opportunity for me and my Cabinet to meet businesses, community groups and local residents in the Clyde Gateway area, including young people in this Year of Young People. Your feedback is crucial as it will help shape future policy decisions. My government is open and transparent and will take on board the thoughts and concerns of people living and working in the Clyde Gateway area. The public discussion will run from 1.30pm to 3pm at the Emirates Arena, 1000 London Road, Glasgow, G40 3HG. Entry to the public discussion is free, but seats are limited and must be booked in advance. Members of the public can book a place by visiting www.clydegatewaycabinet.eventbrite.co.uk This article is by senior reporter Caroline Wilson. This article from the Evening Times News on the 9th of May 2018. More than 60% of Glasgow singletons fear they will stay solo. This article was unattributed. More than half of singles in Glasgow say that they have given up on finding love. 
A study by dating site eHarmony found that modern dating leaves around half, 49%, of singles in Glasgow feeling overwhelmed and almost two-thirds, 64%, believe they will stay solo forever. According to research, there are more singles in Glasgow than in any other Scottish city. A quarter reported feeling unattractive, and one in five also worry about their age has had a negative impact on their search for someone special, 20%. Meanwhile, bad dates have left 1 in 10 singles, 10%, feeling disheartened after meeting a string of the wrong people. Relationship expert for eHarmony, Richard Lloyd, said the fact that over half of Glaswegian singles have given up on finding love is hugely unfortunate, but not altogether surprising. The explosion in casual dating in recent years has in many ways hindered rather than enhanced people's confidence about finding that someone special. This article was unattributed. The Evening Times on Friday the 4th of May 2018 News section Running and Netflix combine at David Lloyd Sports Clubs This article by columnist reporter Katrina Stewart Running outdoors is good for your health but chilling on the sofa with Netflix is just good. But one gym is combining both, Netflix and Hills. David Lloyd Clubs has fitted its personal trainers with vests that contain a small TV in the back. The PTVs let runners watch their favourite shows while wearing wireless headphones that let them hear what's going on. Different shows lead to different running events. So Game of Thrones is 56 minutes and would mean a 7.5k run, while The Crown is 59 minutes and would be an 8k For those just building up their stamina, The Good Place is a good choice at 22 minutes for a 3k run. The only downside is that you have to keep up with your personal trainer. George Fernandez at David Lloyd Chigwell said, We're always looking at ways we can introduce exciting new types of classes and services that can really benefit our members. We appreciate that the hectic nature of modern life means people often struggle to find time to exercise each week. Our new PTV classes aim to counter this trend, giving time-poor parents and young professionals the perfect means to stay up to date with their favourite shows, while ensuring that they stay active and healthy at the same time. PTV sessions were initially trialled at David Lloyd Chigwell. Depending on the success of the trial, David Lloyd clubs will look at rolling out the service across the UK over the spring and summer months. This article by columnist reporter Katrina Stewart. This article from the Evening Times News on the 9th of May 2018. Cocaine users in Glasgow say ordering drug is quicker than pizza. This article from the Evening Times Online. Cocaine users in Glasgow say getting hold of the drug is quicker than ordering a pizza. The 2018 Global Drug Survey caused 15,000 cocaine users around the world and found that drug users in Scotland consume the most cocaine in a single session. The study found 36.7% of users in Glasgow reported delivery of the drug within 30 minutes, quicker than ordering a pizza. Scotland 1.2 grams, followed by England at 0.7 grams. The global average is 0.5 grams. Easy access to higher purity are likely to lead to escalating use and harms, researchers said. On alcohol, Scotland had the highest proportion of respondents, 4.2%, who sought emergency medical care after a drinking session. The report said this is double the level in English drinkers seeking medical treatment after drinking 2.1%, highlighting how entrenched a problem drinking is north of the border. Professor Adam Winstock, consultant psychiatrist and 
addiction medicine specialist and founder of the survey said the 2018 Global Drug Survey highlights how much more work there is to do with alcohol messaging in the UK. It is clear that the link between alcohol consumption and increased cancer risk is a message that is still not reaching UK drinkers. And where it does, many choose to react to the message with scepticism. He said the regularity of people ending up in accident and emergency departments was truly alarming. Professor Winstock added that both England and Scotland are in the top five global nations needing emergency treatment after alcohol consumption is truly concerning. This is another finding that shows how much more work is required to drive home the message of responsible drinking. Katie MacLeod of Scottish Drugs Forum said the true weight of a drug sold as a gram can vary and seems to be lower in Scotland than elsewhere. She said the low purity of cocaine supplied in Scotland suggests that bulking agents have been used to dilute the drug and so the same weight in Scotland will have less cocaine than in other countries. Using with alcohol may mean that people are using cocaine to allow them to keep drinking alcohol and so it is alcohol that is driving this behaviour. Mixing alcohol with other drugs adds to the potential for harm to users and others. This article from the Evening Times Online. Here at Q and Review, we're always looking for more volunteer presenters, producers and sound technicians to volunteer with us and help produce our daily talking newspapers for the blind. If you're interested, please leave a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976 or email us at information at qandreview.com. The Evening Times, on Wednesday the 9th of May 2018, News Section. Calls for selfish parents to stop illegally parking at Knightswood Primary School. This article by Maxine MacArthur. A Knightswood councillor has called on selfish parents to stop putting children at risk by parking on zigzag lines outside a primary school. Worried parents fear a child crossing the busy Great Western Road will have their view obstructed by those failing to adhere to parking restrictions outside St Ninian's Primary School, which could result in a catastrophic injury. Councillor Paul Carey has called on Glasgow City Council to act before it's too late. He told the Evening Times. I've been contacted by some constituents who are very annoyed with the parents who are still parking on the zigzag lines outside St Ninian's Primary School. This is a small minority of parents that continue to do this. It's quite a selfish act, as they're putting not only themselves in danger by doing this, but the children as well. Given the fact that Great Western Road is an extremely busy road and the traffic is quite condensed, parking on zigzag lines is extremely dangerous, not just at St Ninian's, but parking on any zigzag lines outside any primary school is very dangerous. So I'm very disappointed there's a small amount of people that still continue to do this. People don't realise that by doing this, they not only put themselves at risk, but also put the children who are crossing the road at risk, as well as other road users. I would therefore urge any parents who are maybe thinking about parking on zigzag lines to think twice about it. It does not matter whether it's only for a short amount of time. These seconds and minutes could eventually cost someone their lives, so please do not park on the zigzag lines. Councillor Carey has encouraged anyone who spots illegal parking to inform the school and the council in a bid to crack down on offenders. A Glasgow City Council spokeswoman said parking on zigzags outside school gates is very much a citywide problem. While we appreciate there are parents or carers who must use a car for school travel, parking outside school gates and on zigzag lines is simply not acceptable. Everyone's priority must be safety, not convenience, when it comes to travelling to and from school. 
Our road safety officers work with schools and their junior road safety officers right across the city to raise awareness and importance of safer travel to and from school. This article was by Maxine MacArthur. This article from the Evening Times News on the 9th of May 2018. Sisters of Nazareth Glasgow nun left me at the farm to be raped. This article by social affairs correspondent Stephen Naismith. A woman has told how a nun in a home run by the Sisters of Nazareth in Glasgow used to take her to visit a nearby farm and leave her to be raped by the farmer. The anonymous witness, known as Margaret of the Scottish Child Abuse Inquiry, said the regular trips were on the pretext of gathering eggs, but she said she never carried any eggs and was 100% sure the nun knew about the rapes. I didn't know that was what he was doing at the time, she said, but the nun also sexually assaulted me. She didn't penetrate me, but she mauled me all over my body on a regular basis. In a written statement, which was read into the inquiry record. The woman said that she was living at Nazareth's house in Cardonald, Glasgow from the age of two in 1943 and was told her mother had died giving birth to her. She later discovered with her adult daughter in 2010 that her mother had signed her birth certificate and in fact had been alive up until 1990. During her time at the home she had been punished for bedwetting which led to her and other children being left to stand draped in their wet linen for hours for a time she said adding if you wet the bed you were finished girls were beaten if they did not sleep on their backs with their arms crossed over their chests she said she fell ill after she left the home and discovered she had tuberculosis she said she was left-handed but in classes her left hand was tied to the chair and she later put to work in a nursery where cruel toilet training consisted of tying infants to their potties. Children were beaten for giggling, talking during mass, or laughing, she said, although punishments depended on which individual nun you crossed. They hit you, walloped you for an awful lot of things, she added, but one nun had bitten the head off another nun for the treatment Margaret had been given for being left-handed, she said. The rapes had taken place on a number of occasions, she said, and she didn't believe she had been the only girl to suffer the attacks, which happened in her mid-teens. He was a little round man. I remember him as a little barrel, she said. I don't know whether the nun stayed around or watched, but I'm 100% certain that she knew it was happening. She was put out of the home soon after and given a bus ticket to Victoria Bus Station in London to meet her father. I was completely on my own. It was like being sent to Australia, she said. When she arrived, she went to live with her father for six months, but he did the same thing the farmer did to me, and she left. She said she had suffered claustrophobia and a tether of confrontations as a result of her experiences and had counselling to cope with her memories, but for years had had nightmares about a man in a cape walking up and down while she slept. She later realised it was actually a nun marching up and down in my dreams. Another witness, known as Tommy, gave evidence in person and said he had been so terrified of nuns that when he was taken to see the sound of music, he sat shivering in fear in the darkened cinema, thinking Julia Andrews must be the baddie and waiting for her to start beating children. He could not stop remember another experience, he said, when after a nun had died, he had been told to wait in the chapel with the body 
when other nuns came in to kiss the late sister's brown, he was to wipe it down after they left, she said. I didn't know what death was. I was expecting to end up in the coffin with her, he said. He said he wanted revenge and had visited the home later, aiming to confront one of his tormentors, but the nun was no longer there. He had left after giving a donation, he said, but said he had given evidence because he wanted the home destroyed. I want Cardonald bulldozed, he said. Earlier, the inquiry heard from a witness known as Anna, who said she and her siblings had suffered at the home, but that levels of corporal punishment were normal for the time. The nuns were there because they had a vocation, she said, but lacked training, and some were not suited to childcare. This article by social affairs correspondent Stephen Naismith. The Evening Times, Wednesday, 9th of May 2018. The Honey Farm promises to deliver sassy spits at Because You Are a Girl. This article is written by group contest editor Janice Mitchell. The Honey Farm promises to deliver sassy spits at an upcoming female flavoured exhibition. The Scots rapper MC Sweetheart Doubt pimps Ahasha and Bitter Disgrace will bring their best game to Because You Are a Girl, a two-day event featuring live music and art by women. As well as clever girls spitting heavy flows over banging beats, the Edinburgh-based band said punters can expect sauce, raw sauce. Over the weekend, the Honey Farm will be joined by the likes of Anio Elena, Crack and Tans and Josephine Sillers, and Manic Pixie Dreams. Visual art will also be on display from Andrea Santos, Zoe Irving and Morag McKinnon. The Honey Farm, who will be dropping a fat mixtape at the end of June before hitting the Kelburn Garden Party this summer, added, We're really excited to see the other artists. It's unfortunate that events like this are still necessary to highlight women in the arts, instead of just being equally represented across all creative disciplines. But it's about quality, not quantity, and this night is undoubtedly going to be better than anything else that's going on. Because You Are a Girl will take place this Friday and Saturday between May 11th and May 12th within the underground at Tevot Raw House in Edinburgh. For tickets, go to evenbright.co.uk slash e slash because you are a girl tickets slash 45081140906. This article was written by Group Contest Editor Janice Mitchell. The Evening Times. On Thursday, the 10th of May 2018, News Section. Tributes to Glasgow worker who died on cycling trip. This article by Maxine MacArthur. The father of a Glasgow worker who died on a cycling trip has paid tribute to his firstborn. Jamie Gaffney fell from his bike at Westfield Roundabout in his hometown of Bathgate on Saturday. The 45-year-old was a keen cyclist who regularly travelled via bike to his work in the city and made weekend trips to the area. In a statement, Jamie's father, Andrew Gaffney, said he died whilst doing what he loved. The family's heartfelt thanks goes out to the kind person who stopped to help and gave him the very best chance of being cared for, drawing help from passing professionals who got him to hospital without delay. He was my first child, and one for whom I will always keep a special place in my heart. This article is by Maxine MacArthur. This article from the Evening Times News on the 9th of May 2018. Pensioner struck by car in Glasgow City Centre in critical condition. This article by Maxine MacArthur. 
Police are appealing for witnesses after an elderly woman was hit by a car in Glasgow city centre. The 84-year-old was rushed to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital, where her condition is described as critical. She was struck by a white Mercedes on Jamaica Street at the corner with Midland Street around 1.15pm yesterday. Constable Elaine Scott from the Division Road Policing Unit based at Govan said Jamaica Street was busy with members of the public at the time of the incident and it is important that anyone with information that could assist our inquiries comes forward. I would like to speak to anyone who witnessed what happened or observed a white Mercedes on the road prior to the incident. Anyone with information is asked to contact the Division of Road Policing Unit based at Govan via 101, quoting incident number 1737. This article by Maxine MacArthur. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know someone who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet audio player, where our podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF of a Sonata internet radio, please contact your local agent. Please note you will need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of eight, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk. And remember, when setting up the player, ask for Q and Review. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times. On Thursday, the 10th of May, 2018. News section. Frightened Rabbit lead singer Scott Hutchison reported missing. This article by Aftab Ali. The lead singer of Scott's indie rock band Frightened Rabbit has been reported missing by his family. Scott Hutchison, originally from Selkirk, was reported missing from Deniston, Glasgow on Wednesday, May the 9th. Police in Edinburgh are now appealing for information to help trace him with the belief he was last spotted in the capital. Inquiries have established that Scott visited the Dakota Hotel in South Queensferry before leaving the venue at around 1am on Wednesday. The 36-year-old has not been seen since this time and concern is growing for his welfare. His bandmates have also expressed their worry on Facebook. Anyone who knows his current whereabouts is asked to come forward. Scott is described as white, six foot tall with a stocky build, dark hair and a thick beard. He was last seen wearing a dark baseball cap, navy blue hooded jacket, grey or khaki trousers and white trainers. Inspector Graham Dignan from Drylaw Police Station in Edinburgh said, We're keen to locate Scott as soon as possible to ensure that he's safe and well and would urge anyone who can assist with our ongoing inquiries to come forward. If you believe you've seen him since the early hours of Wednesday morning or know where he currently is, then please contact police immediately. I'd also urge Scott to get in touch with family, friends or with police to let us know he's alright. Those with information can contact officers at Drylaw Police Station via 101 and quoting incident 0082 of the 9th of May. This article was by Aftab Ali. This article from the Evening Times News. On the 9th of May 2018, Glasgow and Campus Lang pubs hit with £10,000 fines for illegally showing Sky Sports. This article by Aftab Ali. An Irish pub in Glasgow has been slapped with a £10,000 fine for illegally screening Sky Sports in the venue. Another bar in Cambus Lang has been ordered to pay the hefty amount in damages. James Barnes Bar and Jagtar Singh Najjar of 
O'Kane's and Parkhead and Claire Gorman of Cheers Bar at Campus Lang's Main Street were found to have infringed Sky's copyright. Both boozers must also pay Sky's costs and fund the placement of notices advertising their rulings in local press, including the Evening Times. The successful cases came from Sky's instruction of intellectual property experts from Burness Paul LLP and formed a key part of Sky's commitment to protecting pubs who invest in legitimate Sky Sports subscriptions. SPFL and Premier League matches are broadcast live exclusively on Sky Sports and BT Sport in Scotland. Sky Sport is only available to licensed premises in Scotland via a commercial agreement from Sky. A third, Scots Bar in Edinburgh, Linley Limited and Linda Davidson of Foxes were also hit with the fine. George Lawson, Head of Commercial Piracy at Sky, described how the rulings demonstrate the seriousness of the issue and added, through the orders to fund advertising, we hope to highlight the consequences of televising Sky's content illegally. In a warning to other pubs, he continued, we are committed to visiting thousands of pubs every season to monitor the games they are showing, as well as investigating suppliers to protect Sky customers who are unfairly losing business due to this illegal activity. In June last year, the Evening Times reports how the Woodside Bar in Coat Bridge came under fire from Sky and was fined after screening programming illegally. This article by Tab Ali. The Evening Times, on Thursday the 10th of May 2018, News Section. Brother of missing frightened rabbit singer Scott Hutchison makes emotional appeal. This article unattributed. The search for the missing frontman of indie band Frightened Rabbit is continuing as fears mount for his well-being. Scott Hutchison, 36, has not been seen since leaving the Dakota Hotel in South Queensferry at 1am on Wednesday. His brother and bandmate Grant Hutchison described him as being in a fragile state. He added, We're all incredibly worried. He was in the hotel in South Queensferry and hasn't been seen or heard from since 1am. His phone is with the police. If you're somehow reading this, Scott, then can you just let someone know you're safe, please? We love you very much. The band said on Twitter on Thursday morning there had been no news and thanked fans for their support and kindness. Messages of hope were sent from friends, family and fellow musicians, including Gary Lightbody from Snow Patrol. There was also support from authors Irvin Welsh and Christopher Brookmeyer and radio presenter Edith Bowman. Hutchison is described as white, six foot tall, with a stocky build, dark hair and a thick beard. He was last seen wearing a dark baseball cap, navy blue hooded jacket, grey or khaki trousers and white trainers. Police Scotland said there was no update on the search for the singer who lives in Deniston in Glasgow. Anyone with information should contact officers at Drylaw Police Station via 101. This article was unattributed. The Evening Times, Wednesday 9th of May 2018. ScotRail boss admits faster Glasgow to Edinburgh service won't be complete until 2019. This article written by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. Journey times on the Glasgow to Edinburgh train will not be cut to 42 minutes for every train this year, ScotRail boss has admitted. The huge 740 million electrification programme is intended to deliver longer trains carrying more passengers and faster journey times between the cities. However, problems with the delivery on new trains mean it will be into 2019 before the 42-minute time is achievable on every service. Alex Haynes, 
ScotRail Managing Director told the Scottish Parliament Connectivity Committee that there were issues with the delivery of new Hihachi trains to run en route. Mr Haynes said, We're expecting to introduce the Hihachi trains in the upcoming months. In terms of the journey time, we would like to deliver 42-minute journeys on the brand new electric trains for this December. It won't be every service at 42 minutes for this December. That comes the following year. But that is our aspiration. Clearly, that is dependent on having the rolling stock from Hihachi to deliver. He said the services were not fully electric yet, and the new fleet is still being tested. Mr Hines added, There is two outstanding issues with the Hihachi trains. One is the windscreen, and the other is the train software. During the testing programme, we uncovered an issue with the windscreen which saw some slight double imaging at night, which is clearly a safety issue and so Hayachi has been working with its windscreen suppliers on an alternative design. Those alternative design windscreens are being fitted to the train this week. We will then bring the train to Scotland and retest it. Initial indications are that that windscreen is much better than its predecessor. In addition, Work is being done to reduce the number of software issues so the software is reliable enough for us to enter into passenger service. This article was written by political correspondent Stuart Patterson for the Evening Times. This article from the Evening Times News on the 10th of May 2018. Ian Blink McDonald's fury after gun bust while he's on a date in Glasgow. This article by columnist reporter Katrina Stewart. A retired gangster has blasted armed cops for gate-crashing his first date with a woman almost half his age. Ian Blink. McDonald's night out was abruptly halted when he found himself cuffed in front of his 31-year-old sweetheart. Officers acting under a firearms warrant pounced on the 57-year-old as he left the city centre's upmarket Anchor Lane restaurant. They took him to his townhead flat to search for weapons but came up empty-handed. Ian said, I am a well-documented, retired member of the gangland community and I live a quiet life now. I'm known as the gyro kid, but the quiet life suits me. I had been chatting up this young lady for a while, so I didn't appreciate the police showing up on our first date. The pair had been in a couple of city centre venues on Friday, May the 4th, including Browns and Metropolitan, before heading to the Anchor Lane. Shortly after 1am, Ian and his date left the venue, but within moments, cops had him surrounded. Ian said, I'm not slagging the officers off. They did an excellent job with a professional manner, and I want to give the police their due. It was a good takedown, and they had the handcuffs on me before I knew it. But this was pure... persecution. I am on the gyro. I am not involved in crime anymore. This whole debacle is outrageous. It's not the first time Ian, who has a book about his gangland exploits coming out soon, was seen on a romantic night out spoiled by police. In 1991, he was busted by cops as he went for a meal at a Chinese restaurant with lover Sheila Gurley. Ian, a former enforcer for forced godfather Arthur Thompson, was sentenced to 16 years and served 10 for the botched £6 million bank raid in Torquay, Devon in 1992, which saw a tiller shot in the head. In May 2009, gangland rivals tried to blow him up in his car, 
which was set on fire outside his home in Redry, Lanarkshire. They then slashed his face and tried to cut his throat. In 2013, he carried out a community payback order for a bust up in Coyer's Cafe in Deniston over their coffee prices. The morning after a marathon drinking session, his latest conviction was in 2015 when he got two months for arguing with a passenger on a flight to Spain. Ian State, who is a year younger than his daughter, was unperturbed by the disturbance and the two have seen each other since. The spokeswoman for Police Scotland said in the early hours of Saturday, May the 5th, 2018 officers from Police Scotland stopped and searched a 57-year-old man in Glasgow City Centre following an intelligence-led operation. A house on St Mungo's Place Avenue was also searched under a firearms warrant and no firearms were recovered. This article by columns reporter Katrina Stewart. Remember, this programme is just a fraction of what we produce. You can access more daily content online via our website, qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts. For free daily podcasts of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers, weekly digests of the National Newspaper and weekly full readings of Inside Soap magazine. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times on Thursday, the 10th of May, 2018. News section. Finiston in line for Glasgow's first cycling village. This article unattributed. A plan is underway to create Glasgow's first cycling village in the trendy Finiston district and improve the public realm for visitors and residents. The area has been transformed in recent years and now houses some of the city's top restaurants and bars with the redevelopment of nearby Kelvin Hall, the Hydro and the Riverside Museum also boosting visitor numbers. York Hill and Kelvin Grove Community Council want to create a more attractive gateway to the area for people arriving from the SEC and Hydro, as well as creating new cycle routes to link up with three existing national routes, through Kelvin Grove Park, along the Clydeside and the West City Way. The cycle paths would take in St Vincent Crescent, Minerva and Corona Street at the Red Tunnel linking Finiston to the SEC and Hydro. The plan also includes improved crossing points for cyclists on Socky Hall and Argyle Streets, which could lead to traffic being reduced to a one-way system and landscaping. Earlier this week, Transport Minister Hamza Youssef announced funding for new walking and cycling infrastructure will be more than doubled to £36 million. Lee Grant, Secretary of York Hill and Kelvin Grove Community Council, said, As a community council, we've responded to the many environmentally focused residents and business owners to create a safe and convenient cycling environment. Through working with Glasgow City Council and Sustrans, we've enabled the resurfacing of many roads and pavements. We introduced Glasgow's first on-street bike pump, with a second to follow shortly at Kelvin Hall. Numerous cycle stands for secure storage have been installed near shops, restaurants and services. Now, after securing two more next bike stations, bringing the total in our area to five, we feel it's time to join these and the three national cycle routes surrounding our community with protected cycle lanes. In doing so, we want to become the first cycle village within Glasgow, a place where pedestrians and cyclists are a priority. Green councillor Christy Mearns said, If approved, this would be a fantastic improvement to the area, currently very dominated by cars. This fantastic vision would provide good quality space for cyclists, making it safer and more attractive for residents and those passing through to get on a bike. A public meeting is taking place on Saturday, June the 9th, from 9am to 5pm, and Wednesday, June the 13th, from 3pm to 8pm, to discuss the plans at Bike for Good at 65 Haw Road. 
This article was unattributed. This article from the Evening Times News on the 10th of May 2018. Pug party among 11 things to do in Glasgow this weekend. This article by Tab Ali. One big picnic, George Square, Sunday. Pog prolong for a free meal and a wee weather. Food will be served from 15 stalls by people from diverse backgrounds working together. Many involved run soup kitchens and community cafes. Free to attend. Foreigner, SEC Armadillo, Sunday. Don't miss their unforgettable anthems. I want to know what love is. Jukebox hero, waiting for a girl like you. Cold as ice. Feels like the first time, hot-blooded, urgent, and that was yesterday. Tickets from Ticketmaster.co.uk Pug Cafe, Pie and Brew, Sunday Pugs and pug crosses across the land will be able to meet lots of new friends and tuck into some delicious doggy treats. Pug lovers are also welcome. Search Pug Cafe Glasgow on Facebook to book. Wild Foal Feeding Hoggenfield Loch, Sunday Help feed the various wildlife that live in the area. The friends of Glasgow's local nature reserves will be on hand giving out food and advice. Visit rspb.org.uk slash reserves dash and dash events. Langside 450, Queen's Park Arena, Saturday and Sunday. A programme of music, theatre, talks, tours and other activities in and around the park to mark the 450th anniversary of the Battle of Langside. There's also a procession. Visit southsidefringe.org.uk Gin Lunch Malmason Saturday An entertaining afternoon with arrival cocktail, gin masterclass, tasting and two-course lunch with... Ches Mal. Tickets are £35 from eventbrite.co.uk. Wedding exhibition, Brayhead Arena, Saturday and Sunday. Over 125 top quality wedding professionals, stunning catwalk shows, band showcases, and wedding card display under one roof. Tickets start from £7 from eventbrite.co.uk. Take that tribute. Normandy Hotel, Saturday. Relight your fire and step back in time with this all-singing, all-dancing night. Tickets are £25 and get your entertainment, bubbly, three-course meal and party until 2am. Yardworks Festival, SWG3, Saturday and Sunday. This family-friendly and international celebration of graffiti, street art and design will be spread throughout the complex, showcasing the skills of top graffiti and street artists from across Europe. Visit swg3.tv Eurovision 2018, Campus, Saturday The 63rd Annual Eurovision Song Contest will be held in Lisbon, but head along to the bar where it will be screened live on the big screen. Don't miss Old Baby Fringe Fiesta Merry-go-round tomorrow. Parents will have fun and babies will have a blast as their brains develop and soak up new sounds. Celebrate the Southside Fringe 
with your little ones. Sample Spanish tapas, learn Spanish songs and play Spanish party games with this quick wee event. Visit southsidefringe.org.uk to see more. This article by Aftab Ali. The Evening Times on Thursday the 10th of May 2018 News Section Prime Minister's praise for SWOTY winner highlighting invisible disabilities. This article by senior features writer Anne Fotheringham. An Evening Times Scotswoman of the Year award winner has been praised by the Prime Minister. Grace Warnock, the 12-year-old campaigner who won our Editor's Award for 2017, received a Points of Light commendation from Theresa May. The inspirational schoolgirls pioneering campaign, Grace's Sign, means a new inclusive sign recognising those with invisible disabilities can now be seen on the doors of hundreds of accessible toilets across the country, including inside the Scottish Parliament. In a personal letter to Grace, Mrs May said, Your innovative and pioneering campaign is making life easier for people with disabilities across Scotland and raising awareness that not all disabilities can be seen. You've already achieved so much by ensuring the signs you created are hanging in so many public spaces and your continuing work will take your important campaign from strength to strength. Grace, who was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at the age of 10, came up with her campaign after continually facing criticism for using disabled toilets. The sign is now in a variety of places, including airports, public venues and football stands, and it's inspired Crohn's and Colitis UK to campaign for better signage in supermarkets, to help the 300,000 people in the UK living with Crohn's disease, colitis and other forms of IBD. Grace's local Labour MSP, Ian Gray, supports her campaign and was instrumental in having her sign added to the disabled toilets in the Scottish Parliament. Grace, who is from East Lothian, received her award from Mr Gray and the area's MP, Martin Whitfield. Mr Whitfield said, Grace has received many accolades and awards for her amazing campaign, all of which are very well deserved. It's had a profound and far-reaching impact on awareness about the lives of people with invisible disabilities and understanding of their need to use accessible toilets. Mr Gray said, I've been honoured to help and support Grace. Throughout the campaign, she's had to cope with all the usual pressures of growing up as well as managing her own condition. Her commitment to this cause is truly inspirational and she fully deserves this latest recognition for her work. A delighted Grace thanked the Prime Minister for her award and said, It's awesome to receive this award in the Year of Young People here in Scotland. I promise to continue with my campaign and raise awareness of all invisible disabilities. This article was by senior features writer Anne Fotheringham. This article from the Evening Times News. On the 10th of May 2018, former Pollock Shields Monastery set to make way for flats. This article by local democracy reporter Eddie Harbinson. A former Catholic monastery site will be transformed into flats in the south side. West Point Homes will demolish the old St Dominic's Monastery to make way for 24 three-storey homes. Planning chiefs granted approval for the development despite the plot sitting within the Pollock Shields West Conservation Area. Community leaders have voiced concerns about how the flats will impact the neighbourhood, with some accusing West Point of overdevelopment. After the application was approved, Councillor John Molyneux said it's disappointing. It has been quite a protracted application. The main consideration that we brought up to the committee was the feeling that the elements of the Pollock Shields West Conservation Area weren't really considered. All the buildings in the area are set back 14.5 metres from the development wall. This will break that line, and it's a concern for residents. It will have a visual impact, but there is also a neighbour who lives close to the demolition work, who has health concerns and is on oxygen. 
The development will include two blocks of flats with three storeys and dormers within the roof, forming an extra storey. In the first block, facing onto Hamilton Avenue, there will be four flats per floor and two within the roof space, including one with a terrace. The other block, facing Sutherland Avenue, is to have three flats per floor, with one in the roof space. Many of the buildings within the conservation area are deemed as having special architectural or historic interest. But in their design statement, architects Shepard Robson, acting on behalf of West Point Homes, claimed that the existing building was of little value to the area. The company said, The scale, massing the layout of the building is inappropriate when considered within the locale and historic character of the conservation area. The building therefore makes a negative contribution to the conservation area. The proposed redevelopment will preserve and enhance the character of the conservation area. This article by Local Democracy Reporter, Eddie Harbinson. End of Part 1. Please fast forward to the end of the tape and turn over for Part 2. This is a message from the NFB UK, the National Federation of the Blind of the United Kingdom. What is NFB UK? The National Federation of the Blind of the United Kingdom, NFBUK, is a self-help organisation of blind, partially sighted and deaf-blind people helping each other to help ourselves. It's an independent, non-political charity that campaigns for greater rights, citizenship and independent living. How does NFBUK work? We have a network of branches around the country where members and supporters can meet locally. The branches keep our members in touch with their local community and represent their views to local and national authorities and society in general. We provide information for our members in Braille, large print, audio and electronic formats. We work with local and national organisations to improve the quality of life for all blind, partially sighted, deaf-blind people and those whose sight impairment is part of multidisability. NFB UK campaigns to defend essential benefits and social care services and seeks wider provision of these services and equipment to help us lead independent lives. We have local branches around the country and are aiming to open new branches in more areas. What are the benefits of joining NFB UK? You meet other blind, partially sighted and deafblind people with an interest in peer support, campaigning and making a difference. Members decide and shape which issues and campaigns to focus on, and you decide how you want to work on campaigns. It's free to join this year. You will benefit from our special offer of one year's free membership. You can receive regular updates and share information through newsletter, e-group and our audio magazine for members. Founded in 1947, we have played a leading role in Articles for the Blind postal concessions, the retention of different banknote sizes according to denomination, and tactile street paving. Current issues. We are currently active in issues around shared spaces and the built environment, disabled students' allowance, social care and rehabilitation, and the NHS and accessible information standards. Join us. If you are blind, partially sighted, or deafblind, become a full member. We welcome sighted people to join as associate members. Any donation you can make will assist us to further our campaigning. For more information, visit www.nfbuk.org. Contact us via post, NFBUK, Sir John Wilson House, 215 Kirkgate, Wakefield, West Yorkshire, WF1, 1JG. That's Whiskey Foxtrot 1, 1 Juliet Golf. Telephone us, 01924 291 
313 or email admin at nfbuk.org also on Twitter and Facebook at nfbuk Now back to the main programme This is part two coming up care worker dragged teenager by their hair and bit her during frenzied attack. Policing changes mean more armed cops will be on Glasgow streets. Alleged rape of girl 12 in Clydebank Church prompts pro-Glasgow's one of the world's cheapest cities for the night out. Student flats build on Clyde Street in Glasgow causing stress for locals. Hindu revelers falls out of moving boogie bus onto road while dancing to bits and pieces. Donald Trump bans Iron Brew from swanky Ayrshire Hotel. Celtic nil, Kilmarnock nil. Champions draw blank as Moussa Dembele is bubble-wrapped for final. Dumbarton won, Alloa nil. Ton win the raffle, now they want the jackpots. Hamilton go down to St Johnston, but Premiership safety all but confirmed. Aberdeen won, Rangers won. Points are shared at Pitodry as battle for second goes to the final day. Davy Hay. It's a scandal that Brendan Rodgers was not named PFA Manager of the Year. Rangers set to parade Stephen Gerrard as boss as Liverpool legend clinches three-year Ibrox deal. This article from the Evening Times News on the 10th of May 2018. Care worker dragged teenager by their hair and bit her during frenzied attack. This article was unattributed. A violent care worker who banged a teenage girl's head against a wall repeatedly and then bit her has been struck off the register. Kerry Carmichael also dragged the 16-year-old by the hair, tore her clothing and grabbed her by the neck during a terrifying attack. The 36-year-old was employed as a care assistant at the privately run Butte House in Cumnock, Ayrshire, at the time of the incident, which looks after elderly residents. She was convicted of assault at Air Sheriff Court on August 21st last year and now has been removed from the Register for Support Workers in a Care Home Service for adults following a hearing by the Scottish Social Services Council, SSSC. A panel at the SSSC said Miss Carmichael has not shown any insight or regret into her conduct and had minimised her behaviour to the employers. They said a warning would not be appropriate as the behaviour is extremely serious. There is no evidence of insight or remorse and the behaviour has not been remedied. The warning would offer no protection to the public and would not uphold proper standards in the profession. The removal order will come into effect today if no appeal has been lodged. In a separate case, a care home assistant was issued with an 18-month warning on her registration after she admitted slapping a resident on the hand and saying, yes, just like it's sore when you hit me, or words to that effect. Rosemary Schneiden was employed at Mossvale Care Home in Craigend in the east end of Glasgow when the incident happened, which looks after patients with physical disabilities, dementia and terminal illness. The SSSC said, your response was an inappropriate way to communicate with a service user. This behaviour demonstrates a failure to recognise the use of responsibility. 
the power that comes from your work with service users and would call into question your suitability to work in social services. This article was attributed. The Evening Times, Wednesday, 9th of May, 2018. Policing changes mean more armed cops will be on Glasgow streets. This is a columnist piece written by Katrina Stewart. Policing changes mean more armed cops will be on Glasgow streets. This is an opinion piece written by Katrina Stewart. Fears that all police officers in Scotland could be armed have been raised following the implementation of controversial new policing measures. On Monday, Police Scotland officially extended the role of its armed response vehicle officers. The move means that gun cops will be sent to a range of non-firearms calls, such as drink driving, to support regular officers. Police Scotland's Chief Superintendent Brian McNulty insisted the new deployment model wouldn't affect officers' ability to deal with terrorism and serious organised crime. But Glasgow Councillor Anne McTaggart raised concerns it could lead to all officers being armed. She said, I see our armed police service as a specialised unit and I want it to remain as a specialised unit. Will it end up whereby our police officers on streets will carry guns? Will our campus police be carrying guns? We want our streets to be safe. We want our people to be safe. But I'm not sure if this is a form of safety that I'd adhere to. Ordinary police don't go into it to shoot guns. Our police go into the force to make the streets safe. Miss Taggart added that having gun cops sent to deal with smaller matters could encourage criminals to arm themselves. Last week, Glasgow's top cop, Mr McNulty, sent letters to the city's elected members advising them of the changes to the ARV officers' roles. He said Police Scotland announced plans to extend the role of ARV officers to allow them to be deployed to non-firearm calls, as well as continuing to provide specialist support to local communities to address the threat from terrorism and serious organised crime. ARV officers will now support colleagues and the public by responding to a wider range of incidents with an emphasis on public protection, vulnerability and speed of response. This will include incidents where their enhanced medical skills are of great benefit to the public. Where appropriate, they will also support local and national campaigns such as drink driving. The revised deployment model will not detract ARV officers from their primary purpose and these officers will continue to be managed by specially trained supervisors across Scotland. This will ensure that ARV officers remain available to be deployed to firearms and threat to life incidents. The Chief Superintendent added armed police would continue to be managed by specially trained supervisors and he claims that would allow ARV officers to remain available for deployment to firearms and threat to life incidents. East Renfrewshire councillor David MacDonald said he believes that in 10 years time all Scottish officers will be armed. He said, I think the main reason for the change is a lack of resources for community policing. They have to draw in officers from other departments to increase presence. I think it's the direction the UK is going. I don't think it will be more than 10 years before all police officers will be armed. Earlier this month, the Police Investigations and Review Commissioner announced that it was investigating an incident where officers pointed firearms at several people in Glasgow in April. The watchdog would not provide details 
of where the incident took place, but it was confirmed that they happened during an ongoing investigation. Police Scotland said the new deployment model is not in response to escalating gun violence across Glasgow and its surrounding areas in the last year. In March 2017, Ross Craig received bullets to the arm and leg by a man he saw standing at the bottom of his driveway. In November, dad of two, Ewan E.J. Johnson, died after being shot in the head while sitting in his Audi RS4 at traffic lights in Kenning Park. Two months later, Ross Monaghan was shot while on the school run in Peniel. Campus Lang Rangers manager Paul McCall was shot in the face and stomach in February. The following month, David Daniel was targeted in his driveway by a gunman. Last month, the Colton home of John Bisland was riddled with bullets during a drive-by shooting, although no one was injured. And on April 16th, Kenny Riley was shot dead after pulling up in a car on Maryhill Road. Labour's Justice Spokesman Daniel Johnson, MSP, said despite a rise in gun violence, people do not want armed police at routine incidents. He said, I have concerns about armed officers routinely attending a wider range of incidents. The public do not want nor expect police who attend routine response calls to be armed. Armed officers should continue to be used by exception, with careful monitoring of their use. This article was written by Catriona Stewart for the Evening Times. This article from the Evening Times News on the 10th of May 2018. Alleged rape of girl 12 in Coydbank Church prompts probe. This article was unattributed. By Jack Thompson, a 13-year-old boy is reported to have raped a 12-year-old girl on the grounds of a church in Coydbank. Police are investigating the serious sexual assault which is said to have taken place on either Thursday, March the 22nd or the 29th. The alleged crime was not reported until early April. The incident happened between 3pm and 5pm at St Joseph's Church and it's understood the pair had made their way to Faithfully by bus from elsewhere in Clydebank. A Police Scotland spokeswoman told our sister title, the Clydebank Post, Police inquiries are continuing following the serious sexual assault which was reported to officers on Monday, April the 9th, 2018. The incident took place on either Thursday, March the 22nd or the 29th, 2018 in the Faithway area and our investigation is at the early stage to establish the exact details surrounding this incident. The incident was included in a monthly crime report made by a Police Scotland representative at a public meeting at Faithfully Community Council on Thursday, April the 26th. The officer in attendance revealed the incident took place at St Joseph's Church in Faithfully. The report detailed that 23 crimes had taken place during a period from late March until late April. A total of 16 crimes were reported during the same time in 2017. In response to the reported incident at the church, the Scottish Catholic Media Office said it was not aware it had taken place. This article was unattributed. This article from the Evening Times News. On the 10th of May 2018, Glasgow's one of the world's cheapest cities for the night out. This article by Tab Ali. We all know Glasgow has more than an array of top bars, pubs and clubs, but it's now official. Scotland's biggest city has been named as one of the top in the world for nightlife. Not only that, but Glasgow has come out 11th in a list of 50 global cities for being the most affordable place to party. With the average cost of entry into a club in the city on a Saturday night at £10, a 330ml beer will set revelers back just 340 while a gin and tonic costs around the £6 mark. 
A 20ml shot is just £2, bringing the total cost of having one of each at the weekend to just £21.40. Thousands of cities across the globe rave about their club scene as a way of attracting party visitors, so the team at Holiday Home Search site hope to go, so that to get to the bottom of it with its club price index. After considering hundreds of destinations around the world, the team selected the final 50 based on a number of venues, the number of events listed, and the quality of these events based on online ratings. The index also includes a venues per capita rank to highlight cities where you're most likely to come across a nightlife venue. Head to hometogo.co.uk to see the full list. This article by Aftab Ali. Here at Curian Review, we're always looking for more volunteer presenters, producers and sound technicians to volunteer with us and help produce our daily talking newspapers for the blind. If you're interested, please leave a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976 or email us at information at Evening Times, Wednesday, 9th of May, 2018. Student flats build on Clyde Street in Glasgow, causing stress for locals. This is a columnist piece written by Catriona Stewart. A furious resident is at his wit's end after eight months of sleep loss caused by building works just yards from his window. James Killeran has been plagued by 24-hour noise from the construction of student flats on Clyde Street in the city centre. He has been forced to sleep in his car to avoid the noise from works that start some days at 7am and continue through the night. Mr Killerin believes Glasgow City Council should have stepped in to prevent the works happening at antisocial hours. Instead, officials gave permission to construction firm Silk Group to work at night. Mr Killerin, an estates and buildings manager at Glasgow University, said There were nights I had to go and sleep in my car because of the noise. The council should have given residents notice of late night works, but they failed to. There were concrete pours starting in early hours and going on all night, steel works from just after 7am and forklift trucks being used from 7.15am. The noise has been intolerable. Mr Killerin has been engaged in a battle with Glasgow City Council since last October and says council officers now ignore his emails. He also claims construction workers have wolf-whistled and cat-called his daughter, which he reported to the site manager. Mr Killerin claims there are now issues with privacy between his flats on Howard Street and the Clyde Street new build. After complaining about privacy, Mr Killerin and his neighbour were told translucent windows would be installed and the planning application was altered, but the glass is not completely translucent and becomes clear again at shoulder height. This means Mr Killerin claims at least 27 flats look directly into his living room and two bedrooms with another 30 having an indirect view. Richard Diamond, director of Silk Group, said any complaints of harassment are taken seriously by the firm and such behaviour is not tolerated. Mr Diamond said the nature of the build means late nights and early mornings are a technical reality. He said there are works late at night we have approval for and that is because of the reality of pouring concrete. When you are pouring floating concrete you must not do an entire floor at one time which can mean starting at 6am and continuing for anything up to 24 hours. 
If we get it wrong, then it would involve digging it up and doing it again, and I doubt the residents would be happy with that. We want to keep friendly relations with our neighbours. The quicker we get this finished, the quicker the noise will stop. With regards to wolf whistling, Mr Diamond added, The allegation of abuse is one we take very seriously. I don't have any record of this whistling, and I have 50 different trades on site at any one time, but if dates and times can be provided, then I will investigate it. If anyone does anything like this on my site, then they will find themselves no longer on my site. They will be summarily dismissed. My council spokesman said, We are aware of this particular complaint, which officers have investigated. There are occasions where certain types of construction activity cannot be limited to the hours specified and in such instances. The council will permit the work to proceed on the understanding that every possible measure has been considered which might mitigate the disturbance of residents. Mr Killerin has now taken the local authority to the Scottish Public Service, Ombudsman. He said, I find it scandalous that the City Council can get away with this. This was written by Catriona Stewart for the Evening Times. This article from the Evening Times News on the 10th of May 2018. Hindu revelers falls out of moving boogie bus onto road while dancing to bits and pieces. This article by Code Reporter. A Hindu reveller fell out of a minibus and landed in the middle of the road while she was dancing to Scottish rave favourite Bits and Pieces. Jennifer Keegan was seriously injured while she celebrated with the rest of the hen party in April last year. The bus picked the hen party up in Eldersley, but it had to make a stop near Linwood Farm as a smoke machine filled the bus. To read the full story, head over to our sister site, the Clydebank Post. This article by Court Reporter. This article from the Evening Times News on the 10th of May 2018. Donald Trump bans Iron Brew from Swanky Ayrshire Hotel. This article was unattributed. Donald Trump has banned Iron Brew from one of his Scotch hotels because it might stain the posh carpets. Five-star resort Trump Turnberry has removed the famous drink from sale following a £200 million refurbishment. The ban came to light after guests at an event asked for the fizzy refreshment, but were refused, although Coca-Cola and other soft drinks were still available. Turnberry General Manager Ralph Parcioni said, We don't serve iron brew in the public areas. We don't have £120,000 carpets in the staff areas like we do in our guest areas and private suites. Trump Turnberry in South Ayrshire was chosen as Scottish Hotel of the Year at the Scottish Hotel Awards last month. It was bought by President Trump in 2014 for an undisclosed sum. Trump, whose mother was from the Isle of Lewis, also owns the Trump International Golf Links Resort near Aberdeen. This article was unattributed. The Evening Times, on Thursday the 10th of May 2018, Sports Section. Celtic nil, Kilmarnock nil. Champions draw blank as Moussa Dembele is bubble-wrapped for final. This article by Alison McConnell. It was not a vintage performance. 
For only the fourth time domestically since his arrival at Celtic, Brendan Rodgers oversaw a drab goalless draw played out as the Parkhead side moved within one game of bringing the curtain down on their league campaign. On a night in which Celtic celebrated past fables with the 1998 side honoured, the team who stopped Rangers winning 10 on the bounce and who claimed the club's first championship in a decade, there were few histronics in this meeting. It might have felt like a pre-season exercise, but for the weather. On a miserable night that was more reminiscent of a November evening with chilly teeming rain in the warm-up drenching the players, this was a cold shower compared to some of the drama that's gone before at times this season. As expected, Celtic started the game without a conventional striker. With the Scottish Cup final looming, odds on Edouard injured and Lee Griffiths ill, Rodgers opted to rest Moussa Dembele for fear of anything untoward happening to currently the only fit forward at the club. Indeed, as Celtic gunned for an historic double treble, one might have caused to suspect that Dembele will be under strict orders not to move too quickly off his couch. With Edouard's season over because of a hamstring strain and Griffiths expected to return to training on Thursday after being hospitalised for tonsillitis, there was never any likelihood of unnecessary risks being taken against Kilmarnock. It meant that Patrick Roberts was deployed in a striker's role, with support coming from Scott Sinclair and James Forrest. There was a start too for Jozo Simonovic for the first time since his red card at Ibrox back in March. The defender thought he had opened the scoring for Celtic on the half-hour mark, but his header appeared to take the slightest of touches off of Christopher Ager, who had strayed offside. Other than that, chances were few and far between. Forrest thought he had broken the deadlock following the break, after Sinclair had broken free in the box and squared to the winger, but Jimmy McDonald had got down low to block the effort. Kilmarnock, who have drawn twice with Celtic and beaten them in the three games they've played against the Parkhead side since the arrival of Steve Clark, have been revolutionised in recent months. But their chances against Rogers' side were few and far between last night, in what was a pedestrian display from both teams. Stuart Armstrong was back in the centre of the Parkhead midfield too. It's been a staccato season for the Scotland internationalist, who's been hindered by injury. Whereas this time 12 months ago he was pivotal to the way Rogers set his team up, injuries this term meant he's never been able to work up the same momentum or carry the same influence. And the same could apply to Roberts. The English winger's campaign was curtailed by hamstring injuries and he was never fully able to get back to carrying the same menace that he did at the beginning of the season. What comes next for him remains to be seen as his current loan deal nears its conclusion. Armstrong featured for just over an hour before being replaced by Tom Rogic, while Calvin Miller, who started the game, was taken off as Kieran Tierney arrived for the final 25 minutes of relegation time. Tierney and Olivier Nacham were both rested, with one eye on hand and two, but the expectation is that they'll be back in the fold for Sunday's final game of the season against Aberdeen, when Celtic are presented with the league trophy. Celtic have not lost a domestic game on their own turf since December 2016, when Motherwell beat them under Ronnie Dale as tutelage, but it was a record that nearly seemed under threat. For the most part, Kilmarnock were content to sit in and soak up whatever Celtic could throw at them, but it was a lacklustre performance from the Parkhead side, who went through the motions without ever really breaking sweat. The arrival of Rogic and Tierney injected a little more urgency into Celtic's performance. And yet, the goal proved elusive. Rogic, drafted into Australia's Provisional World Cup squad this week, tried his luck from distance, but it was defender Jack Hendry who came closest to puncturing what was a turgid night. The former Dundee player had a free header at the back post, looked destined to burst the net, only for it to creep wide. There was a debut for Ewan Henderson, brother of Liam, who's recently left Celtic for Barry. It's the first time that brothers have played for the club since Scott and Gordon Marshall turned out for the Parkhead side. Not that it added much to what was a generally dull evening in the East End. They'll be expected to make up for it this weekend. 
This article was by Alison McConnell. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know someone who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet audio player, where our podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF of a Sonata internet radio, please contact your local agent. Please note you will need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of eight, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk. And remember, when setting up the player, ask for Q and Review. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times, on Thursday the 10th of May 2018, Sports Section. Dumbarton won, Alloa nil. Ton win the raffle, now they want the jackpot. This article by senior sports writer Kevin Ferry. Dumbarton gained the upper hand in the first leg of their Ladbrokes Championship playoff final last night with an unlikely goal from an even less likely source as Stuart Carswell registered only the second goal of his eight-year professional career with a spectacular 25-yard strike. It was clearly a pleasant surprise for his manager Stevie Aitken who admitted his side had been made to battle for their win. Stuart's not renowned for that. We encourage our midfielders to shoot, and if you don't buy a ticket, you won't win the raffle. I'm delighted we got our noses in front, but it's only half time in the tie, he said. I'll buy him more tickets for the raffle. It was a terrific strike, but we ground it out and defended for our lives. There was an element of controversy about the goal, with Jim Goodwin, Aloha's manager, adamant that the ball had gone out of play in the build-up, and it had been all the more painful for him because his side had begun promisingly, moving the ball around fluently on their artificial surface. Kevin Colley earned Alloa the first clear-cut opportunity, earning a free kick in a dangerous position, 22 yards out to the left of centre, when he was hauled down by Craig Barr as he ran at the heart of the defence. Jordan Kirkpatrick scored from a similar position against Wraith Rovers at the weekend, going high to the goalkeeper's right, but this time attempted to go the other way, looking to place it low round the wall in the opposite direction, only for it to be blocked. Having absorbed that early pressure, Dumbarton then opened the scoring on their first purposeful incursion into opposition territory in six minutes. Carswell's solitary previous senior goal had been the winner in a Scottish Cup tie against Elgin City six months ago, and he initially looked too far out to have much chance of troubling Scott Gallagher when he received the ball from Danny Handling some 25 yards out and shaped his shoot. However, he was given time and room to tee it up with his right foot before sending the ball curving away from Neil Parry and into the postage stamp corner. Kirkpatrick came close to levelling things, with a strike of comparable quality eight minutes later, but his long-range left-booted attempt came back off the inside of the post, Gallagher perhaps getting a vital fingernail to it as he dived to his right. The visitor's goalkeeper was tested again just before the interval, when, following an impressive run from inside his own half, powering down the left flank before cutting infield, Ross Stewart's fierce right-footed effort forced Gallagher into a good block. It had been very watchable fair to that point, with the home side having much the better of it, and the entertainment level in a more evenly balanced second period continued to be of a level that deserved to have drawn more than 811 spectators. The first division side came close to an equaliser once again, when Craig Barr headed Callum Smith's deflected shot clear with his goalkeeper beaten, then when the substitute found himself clean through on Gallagher, who did well to close him down and block him over the piece. They did more than enough to suggest they will still carry a threat to Dumbarton's championship future on Sunday. This article was by senior sports writer Kevin Ferry. The Evening Times. 
On Wednesday, the 9th of May 2018, Sports Section. Hamilton go down to St Johnston, but Premiership safety all but confirmed. This article by golf correspondent Nick Roger. It's job done for Hamilton. Well, almost. Barring a staggering 13-goal swing on the final day of the season, Martin Canning's side will be in the Ladbrokes Premiership for a fifth successive campaign. I think we're safe, said the PA announcer somewhat tentatively at the end. Despite a fourth defeat to St Johnston in the league this season, Partick Thistle's loss at home to Motherwell left Hamilton three points ahead of the Jags and with the added security of a vastly superior goal difference. Canning was equally as cautious as the Tannoy man, mind you. I know we should be safe, but stranger things have happened, he said. I'm not going to be in the papers saying we're safe and then I'm left pig sick on a Sunday if a freak event occurs. I think we're almost there, but mathematically we have to approach the game on Saturday properly and take something from it. Hamilton were bolstered by the spark, invention and industry of David Templeton, who had missed the narrow defeat at Dundee due to injury, but was back in the starting eleven last night. St Johnston, meanwhile, were forced into an early reshuffling of the cards as Matty Willock hurpled off to be replaced by Alistair McCann. The fair on offer had been pretty humdrum, although those of a Hamilton persuasion had their senses roused on 20 minutes when Danny Redmond toppled in the box. The referee, Kevin Clancy, was not impressed, however, and booked the Hamilton man for taking a plunge, much to the hissing ire of the home supporters. It had been a towsy, disjointed tussle, and the play had about as much flowing artistry as a tailback on the M74. Templeton did inject proceedings with a bit of oomph on the half-hour, with a curling free kick, which Xander Clark did well to pan round the post as the match began to liven up. Not long after, Redmond was sent scampering free, but with just the onrushing keeper to beat, he poked his effort wide of the post. That profligacy should have been punished on 41 minutes, when George Williams found himself in splendid isolation some six yards out, but his cushioned volley from a David Wotherspoon cross bounced off the post. Williams' head-in-the-hand reaction as he picked himself up off his knees underlined the guilt-edged nature of the spurned opportunity. With half-time looming, St Johnston again served menacing notice of their intentions, and a tidy move ended with Scott Tanzer unleashing a searing drive, which rattled the same upright. The shrill of Clancy's whistle to signal the interval came as something of a relief for battered Hamilton. Under the cosh in the closing minutes of the first period, the hosts countered early in the second half, and Darian McKinnon's near post was tipped to safety by the alert and agile Clark. Hamilton were making a few more purposeful advances as they looked to prize an opening, but were caught out by a simple ball over the top on 65 minutes, which allowed St Johnson to edge ahead. Williams chased down the raking through ball and got there just before being clattered by Hamilton keeper Ryan Fulton. From the resulting penalty, David McMillan calmly stroked in his second goal in four days. The news that Thistle were losing at least gave the Hamilton supporters a sense of slight reassurance amid the nail-nibbling, but a second goal for St Johnston on 80 minutes didn't go down too well. Callum Hendry's shot was parried by Fulton, and as the ball came back into the danger zone, Wotherspoon was on hand to sweep in a tidy finish. There was a late rally from Hamilton as Doogie Imry scored with a back-post header to give the hosts hope of plundering a point, but it was too little too late. But it should still be enough. Hamilton 1, St Johnston 2. This article was by golf correspondent Nick Roger. Remember, this programme is just a fraction of what we produce. You can access more daily content online via our website, qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts for free daily podcasts of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers, weekly digests of the national newspaper 
and weekly full readings of Inside Soap magazine. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times, Wednesday the 9th of May 2018, Sports Section. Aberdeen 1, Rangers 1. Points are shared at Pitodry as battle for second goes to the final day. This article by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. A season that started with the Europa League exit in July will end with Rangers' entry into that same competition still up for debate this weekend. Plenty has happened on and off the park since that night in Luxembourg and the infamous defeat to progress Niederkorn, but the Light Blues are edging closer to a return to continental action next term. Victory over Hibernian on Sunday would do it, and Sea Rangers end a barren season with a crumb of comfort. A rollercoaster premiership campaign, one which has seen the sackings of two managers, Pedro Caixinha and Graham Murty, and a record old firm loss, will come to a conclusion with Jimmy Nicoll at the helm at Easter Road. With just 90 minutes of action remaining this term, second spot in the Premiership is still very much up for grabs. Depending on what unfolds in the Edinburgh derby, it could be a three-way fight. Rangers made the trip to Pataudry seeking a clean sweep of wins over Aberdeen, but knowing that a first defeat would mean that they would finish behind Derek McInnes's side for a second consecutive season. In the end, it was a case of as you were, as the goals, the opener from Kenny McLean and a Ross McCrory equaliser, and the points were shared. Interim boss Nicol made just one change to the side that beat Kilmarnock on Saturday, and it saw McCrory, who produced a terrific second-half showing at Ibrox, return to the starting lineup. Jason Cummings was the man that dropped out, as Graham Dorans was moved forward into his preferred role just off lone striker Alfredo Morelos. Nicol would have been pleased with a positive start from the Jers. The home crowd were surprisingly subdued, but the visitors were quick to assert themselves, Morelos spurning the first chance after four minutes, following neat build-up play and a pass from Dorans. It took Aberdeen a bit of time to get going, but they scored during their first spell of pressure. It all stemmed from a McCrory mistake as he conceded a corner rather than clearing his lines. A couple of corners and a controversial call later, the ball was in the back of the net. There was more than a touch of good fortune about it, not that McInnes would have minded right enough. Ryan Christie fired in a low cross from the left, and Morelos and McLean both challenged for the ball. The Colombian clearly got a touch, but McLean tumbled, and referee Stephen McLean pointed to the spot. Rangers were furious with the decision, and their anger was compounded when the Reds' playmaker rifled his spot kick beyond Jack Anik to give McInnes's side a lead they didn't deserve at that stage. Nickel needed a response from the Jers, but Aberdeen started to find their rhythm and play with confidence. That was certainly the case for McLean, and he nearly beat Anik with an audacious effort from 30 yards. The loss of Dorans after he came off worse in a robust challenge with Anthony O'Connor was another blow for the light blues. Sean Goss took over in the middle of the park as Rangers looked to regroup after a spell of Don's dominance. Tempers threatened to boil over when McLean tangled with Morelos and was then wiped out by Halliday. In his final Pitodre appearance, the midfielder was showing why he will be such a loss to Aberdeen this summer, and he forced Anik into another save after Sam Cosgrove knocked down Shea Logan's cross. After the bright start, Rangers had shown little to give the vocal travelling support any cause for optimism. There was plenty of fight in a tempestuous affair, but it was misplaced as four bookings, Halliday, Dorans, David Bates and Jason Holt, were picked up. There wasn't enough quality on the ball from Rangers, and wide men Jamie Murphy and Daniel Candeas were particularly ineffective, as Nichols' side struggled to pose any real attacking threat. But both were involved more in the early stages of the second half, 
and the Portuguese almost had a hand in Rangers' equaliser. Candéas combined well with James Tavernier down the right, and the defender picked out Morelos. But the striker couldn't direct his header beyond Joe Lewis, as the keeper gratefully clutched the ball. Seconds later, Cummings readied himself for action. With half an hour to go, Nickel rolled the dice. Holt was off, and Cummings entered the action, as Rangers looked to keep their hopes of second spot alive. And the impact was immediate. Morelos cut in from the left and saw his shot deflected high into the air by Scott McKenna, but the defender was powerless to prevent McCrory scoring as the youngster's determination paid off and he headed the ball into the corner of the net. Rangers had moved the ball quicker and showed more purpose since the restart. Murphy had been central to more of the play and Candeas looked sharper and it was Nichols' side that looked most likely get the winner after heading into the final quarter of an at-time scrappy but always entertaining affair. McKenna made amends for his earlier mistake with a terrific tackle to deny Morelos after Murphy had burst clear, while Annick saved from Gary Mackay-Steven at the other end. Rangers continued to look threatening, but their chances were half-ones rather than clear-cut, as Cummings, McCrory and Goss all failed to make a clear connection within seconds of each other. The next opening fell to Murphy, but he delayed and delayed before getting his shot away, and Morelos was unable to capitalise as the danger was snuffed out at the back post. The stage was set for a grandstand finish, for a hero to take centre stage. Nobody in red or blue could emerge as the match winner though. The victory that both wanted eluded them. Now it's all to play for in the final 90 minutes of a season that neither will forget in a hurry. This article was by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. The Evening Times On Friday, the 4th of May 2018 Sports Section Davy Hay it's a scandal that Brendan Rodgers was not named PFA Manager of the Year. This article by Davy Hay. I think it was a scandalous decision not to give the Manager of the Year award to Brendan Rodgers by the PFA. I've no quibble with the work that Jack Ross has done at St Mirren. His team have been excellent, and I think Steve Clark and Neil Lennon have both been notable for what they've done and how they've punched above their weight this season. But really, there was only one winner for me, and it's got to be Rodgers. We're talking about a man who can go on this season and achieve something that no other manager in the history of Scottish football has done. He's one game away from leading Celtic to their sixth consecutive trophy, an unparalleled achievement that no team has done before in our game. How can that not be worthy of being the best manager in the country? It's a baffling call. Not that the Celtic manager will be giving a damn. He's obsessed not with personal trinkets and accolades, but with constantly getting Celtic to where he thinks they should be. It'll be water off a duck's back to him, but I have to say there's a bit of head-scratching on my part. And while I think Scott Brown was the right call for Player of the Year, I think you have to give special mention this term to Callum McGregor and the way that he's come to the fore. He's gone from being a fringe player to shooting right up the pecking order. He's close to being an automatic choice, and he's a player who just seems to be full of confidence at the minute. If you look at McGregor's body shape two years ago and compare it to now, you'll see a huge difference. He's got leaner and fitter, and as a player I think when you know you can rely on that, know that you have a significantly high level of fitness, that it gives you tremendous confidence in the game. There are a number of players who I think fall into that category, and as a team I think they are by far and away the fittest team in the league. McGregor has goal exceptionally well against Rangers on Sunday afternoon. But to be honest, there was only one word to describe Celtic's performance over Rangers on Sunday. To quote the Glasgow vernacular, it was an absolute doing. I spoke in this column about how passive Rangers were at Hamden when Celtic walked all over them on the way to the William Hill Scottish final. I actually felt that Rangers put far more effort into it on Sunday at Celtic Park, but Celtic just swatted them aside. 
and I know that people are talking about Graham Murty and how much sympathy they have for him and the way he's been treated, but to be honest, I don't. This is the gig if you're the Celtic or the Rangers manager, and always has been. You can't come second. I speak from experience when I say I know exactly what the pressures of the job are. I can't speak for the manner in which he was undermined by his own board in the lead-up to both games against Celtic, but ultimately you know that your job is to go and win games. And if you don't meet that as a manager, it's inevitable that your P45's in the post. For Celtic, though, the pace, tempo and performance were excellent. I know from the very first minute that the goals were coming just from the way they had started the game, and I suspect Rangers did too. They had no answer to the sheer relentlessness at Celtic. Of the way they just kept on coming at them, most of us on the ground would have felt that it was five going on as many as they wanted. It really could have been anything, and from Celtic's point of view, it will be about using that level of performance as they train their sights on the forthcoming Scottish Cup final. This article was by Davy Hay. The Evening Times, on Friday the 4th of May 2018, Sports Section. Rangers set to parade Stephen Gerrard as boss as Liverpool legend clinches three-year Ibrox deal. This article by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. Rangers are set to announce Steven Gerrard as their new manager. Gerrard confirmed on Tuesday that he had held positive talks with the Light Blues about succeeding Graham Murty as manager. Those discussions continued last night after the 37-year-old returned from Liverpool's Champions League semi-final win over Roma. An agreement has now been reached for the former England midfielder to put pen to paper on a three-year deal, and he will be paraded as manager at Ibrox on Friday afternoon. Gerrard will be joined by Gary McAllister as he takes his first steps into management following a spell in charge of the Reds' under-18 side. Sport Times revealed on Tuesday that Rangers were hopeful of concluding a deal for Gerrard by the end of the week and their pursuit of the Anfield icon is nearing completion. Rangers have been searching for a new manager since Aberdeen gaffer Derek McInnes rejected the chance to return to his former club and replace Pedro Caixinha in November. Marty was handed a deal until the end of the campaign, but his tenure was cut short this week as he was relieved of his duties just hours after the old firm defeat to Celtic that saw Brendan Rodgers' side clinch a seventh consecutive league title. The sacking of Murty cleared the way for Gerrard to be appointed and he will now go head-to-head with his former Anfield boss Rodgers in the Premiership next term. Gerrard had sought assurances from Rangers over what transfer funds he would be given to strengthen his squad this summer and he is poised to sign on the dotted line ahead of his official start at the end of the campaign. This article was by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of The Evening Times. This weekly Talking Newspaper Digest was a Q&Review recording service production. The readers were volunteers at Q&Review and the producer was Jay Kidd. Q&Review Recording Service Limited is a registered Scottish charity. Number SC018016. Our registered office is at 18 Crowhill Road, Bishop Briggs, Glasgow, G641QY. Remember, you can always get in contact with us by email at information at qandreview.com or by leaving us a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976.